All right, well, it feels like a new season today, right? And the kids have gotten back to school, and we've got the first week under our belt. Our kindergartners will start tomorrow, um, and we're excited about that, and we're praying for you parents, and and whether you have kids in school, whether you're homeschooling, uh, we've been praying for our kids this week, praying for our parents this week. Uh, Sounds like from just the buzz before service, we got off to a pretty good start, and we're on our way. Uh, so there's just like many, 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 many more weeks to go. We got one down and we're, we're doing all right as we start off. And so as uh, summer comes to an end, as we, we talked a bit about that last week, uh, we grieve that a little bit, right? We love the summer. We love being outdoors. We love vacation. We love being with our family. We love all these things. This was a summer because the last two summers had been a little wonky. This was a summer where we went, we're going to do everything. And we just had a glorious time. And at the same time as we came to the end of August, my wife and I looked at each other and said, we're exhausted. It's been a crazy summer. We've loved every minute of it. Uh, We're ready for school to start. We're ready to jump back into things. And part of that is the shifting of seasons at church as well. A lot of our things take a break for the summertime. And then as we come back into the fall, they kick off again. And so as we are coming back into the fall again, uh, we will have information each week for the next several weeks, just highlighting some different ministries of the church and and just taking some time to share what's going on in them, uh, how you can help if you're looking for a place to help, different things that are going on in the church, different ways you can get connected. And so we'll be doing that. Uh, We used to do that in one big Sunday that we called the Ministry Expo, but we decided to parcel it out a little bit this year uh, so that you could actually get a good look at what's going on and not just kind of get bombarded with everything all at once. So we will be back to it. Um, As we get going, one of the things that ended up happening in covid was we got rid of bulletins. Uh, we don't do bulletins anymore. And that was okay, because we were, they were sort of phasing out, and, and now most of our stuff happens electronically. But one of the advantages of having bulletins was we used to be able to update you regularly on the church finances, and we don't quite have the same avenue to do that anymore. So we will be emailing that out regularly in the weekend update, uh, and I will talk about it on Sunday mornings from time to time. So we did set something out uh, a few weeks ago already to this end, but we just wanted to let you know where we're at so far this year. And so we approved a budget back at the AGM in the winter. And according to the budget, we approved uh, our target for this time period from January to the end of July. We don't have our August numbers yet. Uh, was $415,000. You can see on the right, what we actually took in was three hundred eighteen. So we're quite a bit behind. That isn't crazy. Um, Often we're a bit behind until we get to the Thanksgiving offering, which usually brings us back up. But we just wanted to update you on where we're at. Um, Part of the the kind of challenging season of church ministry as we're coming out of COVID is recognizing that not everyone attends in the same patterns as they attended before, Uh, especially in the summertime. People aren't here. Now less people are giving in person, more are giving online. But just to encourage you, if you're part of this house, please help us support the house with the budget that we all agreed to back at the AGM. If you need to jump in and now that we're shifting seasons, get back into good habits again, that would be greatly appreciated. And um, yeah, we will update you from time to time just on how things are going. We did want to just update you on that one because it had been a while since we'd talked about finances with you guys. So... Year 2022, we called a year of pursuing peace, right? And, and some of that honestly came out of the last couple of years of going, man, there's peace available. It's promised to us in scripture. We are told that it's there for us. We are told that God has blessed us with a peace that surpasses understanding. It will guard our hearts. It will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. And yet we were recognizing, I don't walk in that peace all the time. 
sometimes it's really hard to walk in that peace. And so we have spent much of this year just talking about God's peace. Where do we find it? How do we pursue it? How do we remain in it? How do we stay there? And so we had spent time leading up to this year uh, over the last couple of years going through our vision as a church. And so um, I am fairly new as a lead pastor. I've been the lead pastor here for a couple years as of the last AGM. And we have spent time uh, just with that kind of shift of season in the church, just talking about our vision, where are we going, uh, what do we think Meadowbrook is all about, and what do we want to be emphasizing. And every church is called to follow Jesus, every church is called to share the gospel, every church is called to follow the scripture, but the Bible is a great big book, there's a lot of different ways that can look, and so we wanted to just take some time and figure out what what are we as a church going to emphasize? What are we going to focus on? And so we have been talking to you about this over the last couple of years, and we had times where you could come and gather with us and hear the story of what we were focusing on and, and how we were discerning it over time, and you gave feedback, and we took that feedback, and it helped adjust things. And so it all came up finally at the annual meeting uh, back in February, and we, we shared it with you. It was voted on um, and, and overwhelmingly supported by you guys, which we appreciate. So uh, that being said, that got voted on. We were starting to figure out how to roll that out and how to share that with the church. And then I decided to go on a three-month vacation. So uh, we kind of had a, a break in the rhythm of things. So we said, let's just wait till the fall. And then the, while I was gone, the staff was working hard at implementing things behind the scenes. But we want to take a few weeks, just as we kick off the fall, to unpack this in some detail for you. Um, it's not new to you, and, and especially if you have uh, been a part of any of those meetings that we had. But if you're newer to the church, it might be new to you. And so we want to take some time over the next few weeks to say, uh, as we have prayed, as we have discussed, as we have met with you, as we have taken your feedback, as we have sought the Lord, uh, this is where we land it. And we want to take some time to say, this is what we think Meadowbrook Church is all about, and this is what we will be emphasizing as we move forward. So the, the phrase, the statements that we came up with were upward, inward, outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. Upward, inward, outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. So for the next few weeks, we're going to unpack a different section of this and why we think there are, they are important. Today, we are just going to focus on the bottom phrase, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. Now, every Christian church, hopefully, glorifies Jesus. Every Christian church, hopefully, is trying to follow after Jesus. We are an Anabaptist church. Anabaptists have always emphasized the very practical side of imitating Jesus, walking in the way of Jesus as a high priority. And so here at Meadowbrook Church, we want to help you take your next steps with Jesus. And we want to take some time uh, today just to unpack what that means. And then in the next weeks, we'll get to the upward, inward, outward part. We took a long time to land on that bottom phrase, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. There was a world of evolution of different phrases we tried that we ultimately prayed about and, and moved away from, um, different wording, even within this phrase, uh, just different takes on different things that we took quite a while with it, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. One of the reasons I love this phrase is that it does make clear, ready, you are ultimately responsible for your own walk with Jesus. You're ultimately responsible for your own. We are here to help. 
And it is an honor that we get to do that. But you are responsible on your own. You are responsible for your own household. You are responsible ultimately there. The church is there to teach, to encourage, to cheer you on, to partner with you, to give guidance and counsel, to come alongside, to be your greatest cheerleaders in your walk with Jesus. But we are here to help. You are ultimately responsible for your own walk with the Lord. Now, if you're a brand new Christian or if you're, if you're even just seeking and, and checking things out and you're not sure where you land on on it, it's going to look a little different for you than someone who's walked with Jesus for a while. And that's another reason we really liked this phrase, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. Because whether you're just taking, uh, checking Jesus out, or whether you're brand new to Jesus and you're just kind of learning the basics, or whether you've walked with Jesus for 80 years, you still have next steps to take. There is always somewhere to go. There is always somewhere to grow. So we talked a lot as we, we debated and discussed this at the board level and at the staff level, the MMT level, that uh, we want to make very clear we're not really interested in raising up a group of consumers. We are interested in raising up a group of disciples of Jesus Christ. And so to that end, again, we are here. We obviously have things to offer to help you on that journey, but we are wanting you also to take responsibility for your own spiritual journey. At a different church, this wasn't at Meadowbrook, I got called uh, by an angry parent uh, who had a, a kid in the youth ministry, and so we, she was upset with the youth pastor, so me and the youth pastor and this mom sat down and she was furious with the youth pastor. And she was furious with the youth pastor because her daughter didn't want to come to youth. And the reason her daughter didn't want to come to youth in her mind was that the youth pastor wasn't doing a good enough job in, in making it enticing. And, and the mom was saying, you need to have pizza parties every week. You need to have, you know, you shouldn't do a 20-minute sermon. You should do a 60-second just thought of the day. And, and everything should be stripped down. And it should be mostly games and all these things. And we just said, I mean, I know churches that do that. That's really not what we're interested in doing at, at this church. Uh, we're interested in introducing our kids to Jesus, and that's hard to do in a 60-second soundbite. Uh, so we're going to look a little deeper. And we do do pizza stuff. There's a lot of fun that goes on. But, it, but that's not really what we're about. Again, we're interested in, in disciples, not consumers. And, and yet she was furious, and, and her daughter just didn't want to come. And that was all the youth pastor's fault. I was proud of him. He really he stood his ground. He listened well, uh, pushed back on some things. But I asked, because I was starting to get annoyed on his behalf, and I get pretty fiery defensive about my staff, I asked, what are you doing at home to lead your daughter in her spiritual journey? Um, because we see you guys at church once in a blue moon, right? Like, you're, that's not a priority for you guys, and, and maybe you're doing lots of stuff at home. Um, but what came out with some defensiveness was they weren't doing a lot of stuff at home because that was the church's job. It was the church's job to do that. And I respectfully disagreed. This was like well over 10 years ago. I still disagree to this day. And I want to make very, very clear. It is an honor to help you. It's an honor to help. But that is our role. We are here to help. We are here to support. We are here to encourage. We are here to teach. We are here to, to motivate. We're here to give you opportunities. We are here to help you in your own journey with Jesus. Let's take a look at our text today. Sorry, I should have given you the text at the beginning. We're in 1 John chapter 2. If you can't get there quickly, I'm just going to read it. It's just a few verses, and we'll have them up on the screen in a little bit. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3, the Apostle John writes, We know that we have come to know him, Jesus, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. 
But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And for me, that last verse, verse six, that's a verse I just come back to in my life over and over and over and over again. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If we're gonna call ourselves a Christ follower, newsflash, we actually have to follow Christ. It's, it's built right into the name. And so it's not enough to give lip service. It's not enough to, to say, well, I believe these theological checkboxes if we're not actually following after him as well. And so our goal here, honestly, as a church, in a nutshell, is we want to follow after Jesus. And we want to help you to follow after Jesus. We want to glorify Jesus, and we want to be more like him. We want to worship him and give him all the glory he deserves. And we want to learn his ways and walk in his ways. We want to be people who look like Jesus. Gandhi famously said, I like Jesus, I don't like Christians. He said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. He said, your Christians look so little like your Christ. And that's a punch in the stomach. And good for reflection. And, and he was not a believer, and, and, but he was, as someone outside the faith, observing, was going, why do Christians sometimes not look so much like Jesus? Anabaptists have always said our top priority in how we live our lives is we want to live like Jesus. We actually, we've read the book. We, we've seen it. Uh, we know how it ends. We, we know where it's all going. And Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, I really do believe it's the best way to live. There's such power and and such glory in the way that he lived his life, in the things he teaches us. If the whole world lived like Jesus, the world would be a perfect world, right? So so we're not just saying we believe this because we have a theological conviction, although we do. We believe this because we truly believe following after Jesus is the best way to live. It is the highest possible calling here on earth. Jesus is so incredibly perfect and admirable that my life should be an imitation of his wherever possible. So we're here to help you, help people take your next steps with Jesus wherever you're at and whatever that may look like. And this comes to us as a throwback to Pastor Greg Allen, uh, who was the pastor here when I first arrived about eight years ago, and and Greg, of course, passed away uh, around Christmas time, and we love him, and we miss him incredibly. But Greg was all about next steps. Anytime I ever sat down with Greg to have a meeting, I was always, all right, Chris, what are your next steps? We talk about whatever we need to talk about, and then what are your next steps? And Greg was always moving, right? Like just as a human being. He was just always in motion. He wasn't sitting still very often. He was always moving. He was moving quickly. And Greg was always just nudging us forward. Okay, so what are the next steps? And the beauty of it, he unpacked it for me once, is that you can't just say to someone, be Christ-like, right? Because to actually be Christ-like, to actually think about that for a second, okay, so I need to love people perfectly, I need to speak perfectly, I need to act perfectly, I need to be generous, I need to be sacrificial, I need to be Jesus. Well, how in the world do you say to someone, just go do that, right? Like that's a lifelong journey that we're on. So you don't have to have the whole picture figured out right now. And this is the greatest blessing Greg deposited into my life, I think. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't need to know the next 40 steps of your spiritual journey. You just need to know what the next step is, 
right? So you're reading the word, something hits you. What's my next step from here? I don't have to be flawless tomorrow. I am moving in that direction. I just need to know whatever my next step is. Man, does that take the pressure off. It takes the pressure off. I don't have to have it all figured out. I don't have to have an answer for every question. I don't have to know where the road's going to twist and turn in my life. I just need to know, okay, what's my next step with Jesus? What's my next step in becoming more like him? What's my next step in maybe going deeper in obedience? What's my next step in loving other people, perhaps? Just what do I need to do next? That's all I need to figure out. So just a few verses in our text today. We're going to touch on each of them briefly. Verse 3 and 4, we know we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Turn to the person next to you and say, ouch. John talks a lot about love. Of all the apostles, John's just love, 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 and then every once in a while, he just punches you right in the face. We know we've come to know him if we keep his commands. That's not to say if you stumbled this morning, it means the love doesn't exist. It's saying that the mark of obedience is motivated primarily by love for the Christ follower, not guilt and not shame. Guilt and shame can be great motivators. They're not healthy ones, but they can get the job done. You can give someone a good kick in the butt. I could sit here every Sunday and just put condemnation on you guys until you act the way you're supposed to act. But that's not healthy, and shame ultimately always runs out of gas. Like, it, it, can, it can get a good reaction. It can never lead to lasting change. When Jesus said at the Last Supper, if you love me, you obey my commands, he wasn't meaning if you stumbled, you must not love me enough. He was saying love for me should be your motivation. Not a guilt trip, not a, a preacher's shame fest, but love. Love is a better motivator by far. It's always a better motivator by far. And so when we love him, when we're motivated by love, we want to please him. We want to do what he says. We want to follow his way. When we love him well and we're walking in communion with him and intimacy with him, loving other people becomes so much easier, right? Love is such a better motivator, such a better motivator than shame. And we want to, to be living that out, that I am serving the Lord because I love him not because I'm con feeling condemned, not because I'm carrying guilt, not because I'm beating myself up, but because I love him, I want to please him, I want to seek after him, I want to do his will. When we love, we want to do that. When we love our friends, we treat our friends well. When we want to please them, when we love our spouse, when we love our parents, you know, we, we love just drives us to want to do well for them, to do what they're asking, to do what they're seeking after. So when we love him, then, then obedience follows right afterwards. I have such a memory of my daughter, Kaylee, when she was maybe three or four, and we were just starting to teach chores and responsibility a little bit, so she had to make her bed. That was the first thing that I can remember uh, telling her she had to do. And Kaylee's smart and will probably be a lawyer or something. Just She's got that, that kind of critical thinking like her mom. And she... I, critical and a good, not critical like put downs, critical like, like smart, sharp, like a paralegal. You want a critical thinker in your paralegal like my wife is. Wow, I got in trouble fast. <laughs> Our marriage is great, just to be clear. Back to my story, that was the most important part. So we're teaching Kaylee to make her bed. And she came out to me once, and I was sitting in the living room, and she said, you know, Daddy, 
And I'm already excited for whatever's gonna come next. And she said, I was just thinking, again, three, four years old, I was just thinking, if I make my bed, at bedtime, I'm just gonna unmake it again. <laughs> so is it really worth making the bed? And I said, hey, I like the way your brain works. <laughs> that's, I get it, hey, that's, that's a great point. I said, we make our bed because we like the house to look nice in the, in the meantime. And so, although you have a good point, I want you to go make your bed. And she went, okay, like, it was fine. She wasn't going to die on that hill. Um, but because she loves me and because I love her, love causes her to say, okay, well, that's, that's what dad wants. And so that's what dad is going to do. And so love is a better motivator than anything else when it comes to obedience. And when we're wanting to follow after Jesus, when we're wanting to walk in the way of Christ, the way of Jesus is the way of radical obedience to God. You cannot read Jesus in the Gospels without coming to this conclusion, I don't think, that he lived a life of radical obedience to God. His whole life was about pleasing God. His whole life was about doing what the Father wanted him to do. His whole life was that. And as he came to the end of his life, he said, the world needs to see that I love the Father and I will do whatever he asked me to do. And that included the cross. But it was driven by his love and his devotion. The way of Jesus is the way of radical obedience to God. Part of what we do as a church is say, hey, from our understanding of Scripture, this is what obedience to God looks like. Let's go together and let's walk in this obedience together. The way of Jesus is the way of radical obedience to God. Now, that can sound overwhelming, but I have actually found that to be the most freeing thing possible when you believe that God's way is a good way. It doesn't mean it's always an easy way, but it's a good way. It's a better way than Chris Walker's way. It's a better way than the culture's way. It's a better way than the world's way. And so radical obedience to God is a very, very, very good thing when we find it and when we walk in it. And, and sometimes we need to wrestle through the scriptures because we're not sure what the scripture means or, or maybe this branch of the church believes differently about this. And so it's not always crystal clear. It's not always black and white. But we want to engage in that wrestling match, engage in that journey that we are going to be like Jesus and that we want to walk in radical obedience to God. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So lip service to Jesus is not enough, right? Even like acknowledging that he's Lord, that on its own is not enough. That has to be married with a life that is devoted to God, a, a life of obedience, a life of serving after him. We're not saved because of that, but we also aren't con completely uh, connected to God apart from that. That's where James says that you have to have works in there. Faith and works work together. We're not saved by our works in any way. But if your faith is real, works have to follow. They, they have to. And so when it talks about works, we're talking about obedience, doing the things that God calls us to do. Not everyone who says Jesus is Lord is going to automatically get into heaven, but the one who, who gears their life towards actually following after him and walking with him. So in terms of this life of obedience, that's going to include things for us, like digging into the scripture, spending time learning from scripture and, and wrestling with scripture and talking about scripture with others. It's going to include just carving out time to spend with the Lord, whatever that looks like for you. It's 
It's going to include some confession, some accountability as we continue to work on holiness and wanting to grow. It's going to, at times, involve some just intentional planning of, okay, what, what are my next steps going to be? What maybe needs to change in my routine? What maybe needs to change in my life in order for me to walk after Jesus the way that I want to? So it will include maybe more things than that, but things such as that as we focus as a church on helping people take their next steps with Jesus. Because really, guys, we really want it to be all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about one preacher or one leader or one staff. I mean, I, I think sabbatical is beautiful in that way that I left for three months and you guys did not miss a beat in following after Jesus, right? That's the way it should be. It should never be about one person. And if I left tomorrow, I mean, you would cry a lot, I'm sure. You'd cry and cry and cry. And then you would pick up and keep walking after Jesus, right? Like, it's, it's never about one person. It's never about one church. I've seen so many churches during COVID that started to say crazy things like, we're the true church, and we're the ones who have the truth, and everyone else is, is not a true church. I go, what are you talking about? That's cult language. That's not church language. I mean, anyone who's holding to Scripture, anyone who's following Jesus, anyone who's trusting in his death and his resurrection, that is a member of the church of Jesus Christ. So this isn't about Meadowbrook thinking we're better than anyone or anything, but this is about us just saying we want to be all about Jesus here, not about any one person or any one ministry or any one church. We are just here to help you walk with Jesus and to follow after Jesus, whatever those next steps are. As a church, we are here to help you along. Next verse of our text, verse 5. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. So again, our love and our obedience to him are tied together. That when we do what he calls us to do, then our love for God is showing itself. When it comes to my kids, do I want them doing what I said because they're scared of me or because I, there's punishment on the other side if they don't or, or because there is a guilt trip involved? I mean, that shows up in parenting sometimes. But it's like, no, I really just want them to do it because they love me and they respect me, right? That's better. That's obviously better. And so love and obedience get tied in together. Love for God is complete when we obey him. That's where our love is demonstrated. And so when we talk about following in the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus is the way of radical obedience to God. The way of Jesus is the way of love for God and for others. You signed up for love if you signed up for Jesus. That's it. You signed up for love if you signed up for Jesus. To love God, part of loving God is obeying him and then loving others as well. Jesus would unpack this famously in Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. He's asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That last line, he's saying all of scripture hangs on those two commandments, the love of God and the love of others. If you were just to boil it down, and I like boiling things down, I like simplifying things, so to take all the scripture that they had and to boil it down to its simplest form, Jesus says, love God and love others. If you get those two things right, you're getting right everything that God has called us to. Everything that he has commanded us can be boiled down to love God and love others. And when we love God well, as I said earlier, loving others gets a lot easier. 
And when we love others, we meet God in that place as well. The love of God shows up as we love other people. So there are two sides of the same coin. The first is always love God because God always has to come first. But when he says the second one is like it, he's not saying, well, that one's way up here and the second one's way down here. He's saying number two is an awful lot like number one. Number one is love God because God always comes first, but a very, 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 very close second is love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. And so one of the ways we love God is by loving our neighbor. And John will unpack this more and more in the rest of this letter, that if you say you love God, but don't love your neighbor, you're not actually loving God. That's how closely intertwined these things are. So we seek to love others well because that's one of the ways that we love and obey God. It's not the only way. And one of the things that's so crucial to that, and we all paid a price in this during the the pandemic, is that it has to happen in community. And one of the most painful parts of those two years was we couldn't always be in community in lots of different contexts, including churches. And so we found different ways to do community, and and they were nice band-aids, but they weren't ever quite the same, that we need to be in community with one another in some way. We, We can't just do it entirely on our own. We can't do it entirely on YouTube. We can't do it entirely through podcasts. Your walk with Jesus requires other humans along the way. And part of that is that you don't have all the insight and wisdom and understanding yourself. You you don't have all of the gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives. Like we need other people to help us in this journey with Jesus. And again, that's where, where a church community becomes important because we encourage one another and we keep one another accountable. And I have gifts that you don't have and you have gifts that I don't have and we need all the gifts working together. And I need encouragement sometimes and you need encouragement sometimes and I need a kick in the butt sometimes and you need a kick in the butt sometimes and all the things that can't happen by myself in my house. Like we need the community together. One of the things we want to do this fall just to kind of continue to help us uh, just make those, those connections and those bonds as we said as we came into the fall, like let's make sure we're just doing some fun stuff this fall. Not with any great spiritual agenda other than, hey, we're called to love one another and sometimes that's a lot of fun just to hang out and do some fun things. So we are going to have a few things this fall beyond life groups, beyond programs and different things that are purely social. Um, but don't blow them off as if those are unspiritual things. Do you hear what I'm saying? That just because there's not maybe a strong, like we're walking through a book of the Bible or something, that doesn't mean there's not a spiritual aspect to hanging out together because that's where we love one another and that's the second most important commandment Jesus told us. So one of the things we're going to do, and we did this a few years ago, um, is we're going to have a games and app night. Wow. (laughs) Let me explain what that is. So we did this, again, maybe five or six years ago. Um, We'll have a bunch of tables set up in the gym. Your price of admission is an appetizer to share. And your price of admission is bring your favorite board game, card game, whatever. And so we did this a few years ago, and we just spent a few hours eating awesome food. And you'd sit here, and you'd play a game here for a while. And then you go over there and play a game over there for a while. And you meet new people, um, and a great, just a great time to hang out. And so we want your kids to come as well and bring kids games. And they can come and eat with us, and they can play games at their tables. And the grown-ups can play at their tables. And I remember very distinctly beating the Rochelos at Euchre last time. <laughs> Uh, and then I won, and I was like, I'm out. And I just did the thing you're not supposed to do, <laughs> just peaced out. 
Um, and then eating spinach dip and playing apples to apples with John and Marissa. And, and just, it was such a fun night. And, and it was such a good night. So that's not this Saturday, but next Saturday, 6 o'clock, 6 till 8-ish. Um, but come on out, bring an appetizer, bring a game. And, or, I mean, there'll be lots of games there. But uh, just come with the plan of, hey, we're just going to love each other just in a, a low-key way uh, on this night. And just we spent so much time in the last couple of years apart. We want to have some time where we can just keep building those bonds together and then just love each other and spend time spending time together. And so loving God and loving others is going to include some things like worship. Uh, it's going to include some things like prayer, obviously, community, spending time with other believers, serving one another, encouraging one another. Um, it's, it's going to happen in community to a certain extent. It's not that we don't have a private relationship with the Lord on our own, but it can't ever stop there. We need one another. We need to be in community together. So it will look like things like that. And so when it comes to serving, um, every fall, because a lot of stuff dies down at church in the summertime, when it picks up again in the fall, we always challenge and say, uh, if you're a part of this church, if you're attending this church, we're, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're attending. We're glad you're receiving. Um, that's part of what we love doing. Again, it's an honor to, to help you and to serve you in that way. As you're sitting here right now, um, I'm paid to be here, so it's a little different, but we've had volunteers up here serving you with their worship. We have volunteers doing the tech up there. If you're watching from home, you're only able to watch from home because people are serving you there as they serve up here in the balcony. There's people serving your kids right now so that you can be free to enjoy this in here. There were ushers and greeters who serve there. There's different leaders in the church who help oversee things. There's finance teams. There's all sorts of things going on that are allowing you to sit here and just receive. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Now, what we would add to that is where are you serving everyone else, right? All these people who are serving you this morning, where are you serving? Where are you finding a place to give back? Because if, you, if we're not, then we're just coming and we're taking and we're taking and we're taking. And to be clear, we want you to take. We want you to receive. We want you to be a part of that, but also find a place to serve. And so the, the picture we sometimes use is if we have a family dinner and we're inviting all the, you know, the siblings and the cousins and everyone to come over for dinner, if it's at my house... I'm still going to enjoy the dinner, but someone has to make the dinner, and someone has to do the dishes afterwards, and someone has to wipe the table down, and so there, there is some effort involved. And so um, if you are here and you're newer, we always say, we're happy for you just to kind of sit for a bit, actually. If you're newer to the church, just get to know us. Make sure this is where you want to plant yourself. Uh, make sure that's feeling good. And once you've been here for three months or six months, if you want to serve then, by all means, we would love for you to jump in. But if you've been here for longer than three or six months, then it's time to find a spot to wash the dishes. It's time to find a spot where you can also contribute, just as so many are contributing to you right now. So as we are going to go through the next few weeks, we are going to highlight uh, some of our ministries, and we want you to know what's going on, and we also just want you to know where you can plug in and where you can get involved. And so this week, we're going to highlight the kids' ministry and the youth ministry. And so we have a video here from Renee, who is our kids and youth director, and she's going to share a little bit about where we're at this fall. Hey, guys. I'm so excited to share that Kids Club will be resuming for our children in grades SK to grade 5 on Tuesday, September 20th. Registration forms will be made available via our Facebook page, MB Kids Club at Meadowbrook Church, so stay tuned. We also just wanted to share what children's ministry has looked like for our kids and teachers for these past couple of years. Right now, we meet as one group with all of the kids together, going over the story, memory verse, and breaking off into small group curriculum activities that are geared toward our grades 2 and 3 students, 
and that the teachers and helpers make applicable for our younger SKs and grade 1s, as well as our older grade 5s and 4s. While this is not ideal for learning at every child's grade and age level, it was necessary due to the lower attendance that we had this last season and a smaller team of volunteers. What we would like to do moving forward is to split off into more age-specific classrooms so that we can teach our kids at their level in a smaller group. This will also make teaching more one-on-one -on -one and give greater opportunity to make lasting connections with their teachers and helpers, as well as their peers. We currently need one more volunteer in nursery to look after our babies and five volunteers in our kids' ministry. This can be as a teacher where you lead the kids through lessons and activities following a curriculum, or as a helper, facilitating and lending a hand where help is needed. With this help, we can go back to a classroom model and engage our kids in new ways. Outside the sanctuary, there will be a table and a volunteer there who can help answer any questions that you'd like to know more about this. Now on to our youth. We will be resuming our weekly Thursday night youth program on September 15th. So please be praying for our first night back after taking a couple of weeks off and for God to be making his presence known to all of his young people. Thank you. Thanks to Renee. And so, yeah, like we're, again, out of the necessity of the last couple of years, we had to strip down and simplify a lot. It's not ideal to have SKs and grade fives in the same group. It's just, it's too far a gap. So we just need five more people to step up and then we could actually do a much more intentional and age-specific program. And so we have not made it a rule here that if you have a kid in the program, you have to help because we want serving to be voluntary and not forced. A lot of churches do do that. But that being said, parents, if you aren't helping, we would love to see you jump in and, and not just let other people do all the work in, in terms of taking care of your kids. But roll up your sleeves, join in with us, and, and take a turn. And it's one of those things where if all parents did that, if every family had one parent who helped, we'd have so much help that it would be, you'd be on once in a blue moon. Um, but because we don't have that at the moment, we're really kind of struggling. And I, I do just want to acknowledge uh, for those volunteers who have been there for the last couple of years and just really took it on extra work and, and just really worked very, very hard uh, to keep these things going. It was incredible to see. And they've worked so hard. Um, they deserve some support now and they deserve some help to, to keep moving things forward. And so uh, outside on the table there, there will be a, a sign-up for kids' ministry as well for Operation Christmas Child. That is out there as well. So, uh, and there will be more things that we'll highlight in the weeks to come as well. But we just wanted to make you aware of that. Let's get to our final verse, and we are just about done. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And as I said, this has become maybe my life verse. I don't know if I have one life verse, but this is one I come back to over and over and over again. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. We don't get to call ourselves Christ followers if we're not actually following Christ, right? And that sounds like common sense. Um, but in the Reformation, when the Protestant branch of the church was forming, and they were saying things like, we need to get back to scripture, we need to get away from just the traditions of men, we don't need, you know, popes and different structures and hierarchies and wealth. We just need to get back to the Bible. We want to get back to the gospel. The gospel is that we're saved by faith. We don't earn our way into heaven. And all these wonderful things, as that was happening, the Anabaptists stood up and said, right, and follow Jesus, right? And follow Jesus too. We like everything you're saying, but you got to go a little further. We actually have to look like Jesus if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus. And the Protestants at that time responded by killing an awful lot of Anabaptists. That was too radical for them because uh, it was messing with things like wealth and power and structure. But the Anabaptists from the beginning have said this is a top priority 
for anyone who's going to call themselves a Christ follower. We have to live as Jesus did. And so very simply, the way of Jesus is the way of living like Jesus. Again, newsflash, sounds crazy. But the way of Jesus is actually living like Jesus, that we actually believe Jesus is the best way to live. We actually want to follow after him. Um, Jesus, or John would say this a little later in 1 John about Jesus. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. So the way of Jesus is the way of radical obedience to God. The way of Jesus is the way of loving God the Father and loving others. The way of Jesus is, is following after the way that Jesus lived. The way of Jesus is a way of sacrifice. It's the way of saying, I'm going to put you first. It's the exact opposite to our human nature. It's the exact opposite to what our culture tells us. But the way of Jesus is, I put you first. I put you first. I sacrifice for your sake. I don't demand that you sacrifice for my sake. I'm going to live that way. And fascinatingly, in a church context, if everybody in the church is living that way, saying, I will sacrifice for you, then it turns out everyone's needs get met. Because if I'm sacrificing for John, John's also sacrificing for me. And so it's not just about me giving and giving and giving or him giving and giving and giving. When everybody lives that way, then it turns out everybody gets what they need. It's incredible and beautiful when it functions well, that we live in this life of love, motivated by sacrifice for the sake of others. Come on up, worship team. We're just about ready to wrap up. So walking in the way of Jesus is going to include some things like studying the way of Jesus, right? We should be in the Gospels a lot. If we're going to actually know what the way of Jesus is, we're going to have to see what he taught. We're going to have to see how he lived. We're going to have to see how he spoke. We're going to have to see how he treated people. It's going to require some reflection. It's going to require some changing, right? Because the way of Jesus often goes against the way that I personally in my flesh would like to live. It's often the opposite way. And so there's change involved. There's sacrifice involved. But again, it is change and sacrifice towards the best possible way to live, the best possible outcome. So as we get ready to wrap up today, today, no crazy conclusion, no real homework. Uh, today was just an, o- an overview of what we're talking about. Upward, inward, outward, helping people take their next steps with Jesus. We are all on a journey. We're not all in the exact same place, but we all have growth that is, is called for. We all have maturing that needs to happen. We all have things we need to learn. We all have growth that we need to move into. This, this is just the, the story of, of what church is, is that we are all seeking to follow after Jesus. We at Meadowbrook Church, we're here to help you do that. We're here to help your youth do that. We're here to help your kids do that. We're here to come alongside you. We're here to cheer you on. We're here to present opportunities. We're here to teach and instruct and guide as you own your own walk with Jesus. And as we come and say, hey, let's do this together. Let's move forward together. And so I'm not going to, again, do a homework assignment or anything this week, because this week we just wanted to share. We'll share more in the weeks to come, but wanted to give you that snapshot of what we're focusing on here at Meadowbrook Church. If you're new here, if you're visiting today, wow, what a great Sunday to show up. You just got Meadowbrook Church in a nutshell and what's important to us. Um, We will share more in the weeks to come. Starting points coming up as well. That class also takes time to dig into some of the stuff and and help you get to know us a little bit better. Um, But we're going to worship for a little bit longer. We're going to pray as we wrap up. Uh, So would you stand with me, please, as we get ready to close off our service this morning. Mm -hmm.